Well, I want to say happy Mother's Day, and uh, we are in this series on relationship, and this is the one week that just lined up perfect for our series. Uh, so we're celebrating uh, the relationship of moms to children, and then next week we're actually talking about uh, dads to children. So we're just going to finish out the series and go dads to children next week. And uh, I just want to say, as a reminder, in this series, we've been praying together as couples. Last week, Pastor Darren preached about that, that we are praying together as husband and wife. And uh, I hope you've been doing that, taking advantage of that. Had a few people text me, send emails, and uh, say it's, it's been a new thing for their marriage. It's been a positive thing. And I, I appreciate that we're doing this. Now, today we're celebrating uh, Mother's Day and that relationship mom to children. But I do want to say... Um, why is the Minnesota fishing opener always on Mother's Day weekend? I think the people that work at the DNR are single men. That must be, and they're like, let's just do it on that day. Nothing's happening there. All right, so if you do, all right, anyways. Uh, we, we realize it's Mother's Day, and um, we realize it's a day of rejoicing, but it also, for some people, can be a, a day of mourning. We celebrate moms, and we love our moms, but we also realize that there's a loss for some that you miss your mom. You miss your mom, she's gone, or you've lost a child. We understand that there's mourning. Uh, we just want to acknowledge all this. We, we rejoice with all the people that are expecting. Um, we're praying for those that are trying to conceive. I was at our Crosstown campus a couple weeks ago, and a couple came up to me and said, we're expecting twins. And they said, uh, we were at, at the service, and somebody prayed. I believe it was Lisa Bevere. I, I believe it was at Sparkle. And she said, if you want to have a baby, stand up. And she said, we, we found out a couple weeks later, we're having a baby. So we rejoice with those people that are saying, hey, we're, we're, we're there, and we're praying for those that want to conceive. And uh, we also are lamenting with those that have been told that they can't. And so we acknowledge that these special days, they have many different sides to them. But today we do want to celebrate moms and say, hey, this is something that is so important to our church, to our faith, and uh, something worth celebrating. Now, I hope you got flowers for your mom. I hope you got a gift. Hope you're taking care of her. Um, I just found this out. I was talking again to Pastor Anthony at our Crosstown campus. And he said, you know, in Australia, you know what they do when your wife gives birth to your first child, you buy her a diamond ring. I was like, really? That's awesome. You know, and I was like, I'm like, wait, I missed it. I missed that announcement. And uh, he's like, in America, you guys are cheapskates. So he wants to bring that tradition over here, and, and uh, he just said, I'm, it's, it's a push present. And I'm, I'm not aware of this. They didn't have that back there, but I'm told that that's gaining popularity in America now. And, uh, but he said, yeah, you do that because after you watch her give birth, you're like, thank God women give birth, not men. So, you know, and you buy her a ring. So, but I have to say this, after watching Becca give birth, I'm like, you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. Now, uh, ladies, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible speaking to the ladies. Proverbs 31, the woman there, uh, obviously she does it all. She does it all. And it's been speculated that this is really a composite, that this is a composite, that Proverbs 31 is from Lemuel, um, the king, and he's saying like he, he learned this from his mom and, and some have speculated that she was like dictating it to him saying this is a, a, a do everything woman and you haven't found one yet, keep looking. 
okay? And uh, so it's like a composite. And uh, I guess I can identify with that because I think about when um, Connor and Logan, our two boys, uh, were younger and they would bring a girlfriend over to the house. I just watched Becca just like sizing them up. Like, <laughs> and then they'd sit on the couch together and she'd pull me in the kitchen. Do you see how close they are sitting to each other? I was like, yeah, it's okay. They're dating. She's like, oh, growling. And she's like, eh. so I get it. I get it but it's, it's a wonderful thing. Now, uh, amazing moms are in the Bible. And I want you to understand, no one loves us like mom. At our campuses, we had the white flower that we give. And I love that we do the red flower for the dads and saying, hey, this is it. You're gonna stand up for your family. You're gonna be the priest provider. But we give the white flower and the baby dedication to the mom. And we're saying it's a purity of love. And there's a strength to that love. I want you to understand how strong moms love children. Okay, how strong. When God wants to show us how much he loves us, he searches the whole world over. He's like, he's trying to tell us like, I love you so much. I love you so much. The, the person that he picks as his competition to show how much he loves us is a mom. Think about that. He looks out in the whole world and he says, in Isaiah 49, 15, he said, can a woman forget her nursing child? Can she have no pity on the son to whom she gave birth? Even these may forget, but I will never forget you. Wow. He said, he didn't pick a dad. How many know it's like, it's like he could have said, well, I, I love you more than your dad. A lot of people are like, really? <laughs> really? My dad left me, you know? Do you know that my dad left me? We were on a road trip to Florida. We got in the car, and, and I see the car pulling off on the entrance ramp. And they, the whole family left, and mom said, where's Rob? I'm standing at the rest stop like, hey. That's why God didn't use dads, you know. But he said, a mom, she couldn't forget her nursing child. And he's like, that's how much I love you. That's how much I love you. You can capture the intensity. God's saying, my stiffest competition is from mom. There's such a deep love that is there. Moms are incredible. We need to love our mom. We need to thank God for our mom. And, and ladies, uh, if God allows you to become a mom, become a great one. Become a great one. So in the spirit of like the compositive Proverbs 31, the snapshot of, of this woman, um, I want to give just a, a look at some moms in the Bible, and, just, and then I'm going to look at two at the end. I want to look at two closer, but uh, I, I want to just give a moment to look at a composite of the moms. So the first mom we see is Eve, and she gives birth to the very first baby and then more. She witnesses the most incredible pain and in the loss of a son that is murdered, and I can't even imagine that. Um, she raises her children without a mom to follow. And uh, I can't tell you how many times uh, Becca and I asked our moms for help. I mean, even the first dirty diaper, I was just like, oh, what do I, and I was like, mom, and Becca's like, good thing, call your mom. Yeah, get her in here. You know, I mean, it, there, there's so many things. Eve, Eve was like, without any opportunity to say, hey, I need help, I need help. Jochebed was a mom that we don't hear a lot about, but she was the mom of Moses. And I think about this, a cruel law was in place in Egypt and she didn't care. She was a strong mom. 
She's like, I'm going to hide my child for as long as I can. And in Exodus chapter 2, she makes a little basket and she's floating her child in the Nile and she's trying to figure out what to do. She has her daughter watching it. And as God would have it, uh, Pharaoh's daughter sees Moses floating in this little basket. Miriam runs in and says, like, do you want me to find a, a, a mother to nurse this child? Pharaoh's daughter's like, yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine what Jochebed was thinking, what it, how it was breaking her heart to, to let her child go and then have her child brought back to her. Yeah, yeah. But what a strong, strong mom that it was just like, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to trust you, God. I think about Hannah in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 1. She prays for her son, and she's like, I want a baby. I want a baby. And um, it's interesting. I, I, there are things that make me laugh, but her husband's like, are, aren't I good enough? And she's like, no. <laughs> I want a baby. You know, he's like, okay, I got the point. All right. And then she's praying there, and there's an intensity of prayer that she's praying. I want to be a mom. I want a baby. I want a baby that the priest sees her and, and assumes she's drunk because she's just so distraught. She said, I am not drunk. I want a baby. And if God gives me a baby, I will dedicate that baby to the work of the Lord, which she does. God gives her Samuel, and she dedicates Samuel. Samuel becomes an amazing prophet in Israel. God also gives her five more children. What an amazing mom that just went after it. There's Abigail, and, and you may not think about her as, as really a mom, but in, in, like fighting as a mom, but in 1 Samuel 25, she keeps her kid's dad alive. The Bible tells us that she was married to a guy by the name of Nabal, and that he was a, a, a wild man, a stupid man, really. And David was so angry with Nabal that he's going to kill him. He's going to take him out. And Abigail runs in and saves the day. She brings the supplies. She said, forgive me. My husband didn't know what he was thinking about. Please don't kill him. I want my kids to have a dad. And she gets her husband's life spared. But not to be outdone, Zephorah is Moses' mother. I mean, what a woman she was. She keeps uh, Moses alive because he's not being the dad that he needs to be. And if you don't know the story, it's found in Exodus chapter 4. If you know what she had to do, you thank God you didn't have to do that. No mom should have to do that, okay? But Moses was told that he had to circumcise his children, and he didn't do that with his boys. And the Bible tells us that God was angry that he was disobeying what he was told to do, and Zephora has to do the circumcision. Again, no mom wants to do that, okay? And she saves her husband's life. She's like, I, I don't want my children to grow up without a dad. I'm saving your life. These are moms that are incredible. These are moms that are stepping in. There's Naomi, who in Ruth chapter 1 really is, she would get best mother-in-law uh, award. And, you know, I, I was leery. You know, there's so many mother-in-law jokes, you know, out there. And then, you know, I was getting married and then I got a great mother-in-law. I mean, I, 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 Betty is just absolutely amazing, but Naomi must have been the best. I mean, she lives out her faith so well that her daughter-in-law follows her, even though it's like she's leaving her people, following Naomi, going back to where Naomi came from. She's like, I'm in. Ruth says, I'm in. Your God will be my God. There must have been something in Naomi that was so strong that Ruth is like, I'm in. And then Ruth becomes part of the lineage for our Lord and Savior. 
But it was because of her mother-in-law being such an amazing woman. There was something that was there that was absolutely uh, just enviable that she looked at. And she's like, I want what you have. Elizabeth. Okay, this is just a composite. I'm going through this. And I'm not going to be able to hit them all. But, I mean, as I studied this all week, I was looking at this. Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, an angel speaks to her husband and says, you will have a baby. And he's like, how can that happen? This, I mean, this, how, I mean, think about it. An angel's appearing to him. He's like, how is this going to happen? And the angel's so offended. He's like, you will be mute until he's born. Elizabeth hears the news and is like, yippee. <laughs> Faith. Faith. And what's, what's absolutely amazing about this, in Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth is the second person to realize what's really going on with Mary with the birth of Jesus. Okay? The Bible tells us that Mary comes into Elizabeth's presence. She's pre pregnant with this baby John. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, it says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. It's interesting. The first person to recognize Jesus on this earth, like Mary had the download and she has Jesus in her womb, but the first person to notice Jesus on this earth was a preborn baby, John the Baptist. Before he ever breathed any air in this world, he was alive and he's, and he's, and he's recognizing he's in the presence of Jesus even in the womb. So the second person then was Elizabeth. She's like, whoa, the baby jumped. And it wasn't like I noticed, like he noticed. Wow, that just blows my mind. This lady was just being used by God and getting revelation and all this is happening. Then the first person really, of course, that we have to talk about is Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, she agrees to be used by God, and with the mess that that would bring, she's like, I have faith, I have godliness, I'm willing to step into the mess. I hear all these people saying, I want to be used by God to do great things, even if he wants you to step into a mess. That's what she said, I want to be used by God, even if it messes up all the things around me. There's a quote about Mary in this book. It's called, If It's Not One Thing, It's Your Mother. And the quote about Mary says this, Mary is a rich tapestry of real motherhood. A lot of excitement followed by years of work and moments of intense pain. But through it all, as a mom, she was there. There's great moms in the Bible. I didn't highlight them all. But I really want to focus on a, a grandma and a mom in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, a young minister, and he says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am now persuaded, now lives in you also. It was a grandma and a mom. A grandma and a mom that were passing on their faith. It makes mention of his dad, that his dad was Greek, and it doesn't mention that his dad had any faith, but it mentioned that his mom had faith and his grandma had faith. Now, I want you to know that true faith cannot be inherited, okay? It cannot be inherited. It's not like I got it and I, it's an inheritance. But I'll tell you what, it can be modeled, it can be demonstrated, it can be oppressed upon so that your children look at you and say, I want that. I want that. In our home, um, we know the combo of the Lois-Eunice combo at the Ketterling household. We know that. Um, 
Our boys, Connor and Logan, got the lowest and Eunice treatment. I mean, my mom, you may not realize this, she helped raise our boys three and a half days a week. Okay, three and a half days a week because we were starting this church and I needed Becca to go to work to, be, to, to pay for things. I mean, I, I was working, selling appliances, uh, barely getting any money. Becca was a, an accountant. And so I, I said, would you go to work as a full-time accountant to earn some money so we could start this church? And my mom said, if you'll do that, I'll watch the kids for free for three and a half days. Okay, so I took my day off and watched uh, the kids. And then on the half day, I'd leave early, watch kids, but she had three and a half. And then of course on the weekends, Beck and I were there. So we had that combo platter and people say, how did they turn out so well, Connor and Logan? Well, they had the Lois and Eunice combo. And I gotta let you know, Lois was tougher than Eunice. For those of you who don't know, that's Isabel is tougher than Becca, all right? I'm telling you, we went the other day to the movie Unplanned, and if you are pro-life, and I pray you are, uh, you should see that, that movie. It's shocking to see and, and this lady standing up and, and standing up bold for life. And at the end of the movie, I looked at Connor, I said, I know that, I know that lady. That lady is Grandma Isabel, that we would picket everything when I was a kid. I spent my summer vacations carrying picket signs, you know, and, you know, it was, it was just part of life. And those at 20 plus know what I'm talking about. You know, the other day, she just laid it on the line. If you're not living for Jesus on Friday and Saturday, don't pretend on Sunday. So anyways, they got a little bit of that. All right. But they, we got that combo. And now it's interesting. Paul's talking to a young preacher and he's saying, I saw what your grandma had. I see what your mom had. And now you have it. And you're a young preacher. And then Paul's encouraging this young preacher and both of our boys. We didn't, we didn't ask for this, but both of them actually went into the ministry now. And both Connor and Logan are on our team at the church. They, here's the thing. Lois and Eunice, when they were raising Timothy, I'm sure they wanted him to be smart. I'm sure they wanted him to be well-dressed. I'm sure that he, they wanted him to be educated. I'm sure they wanted him to be well-liked. But they thought of more than that. They had heaven in mind. And I'm asking all the moms, have heaven in mind. You're, you're, there's more to this life than just making sure your kids are happy on earth. I see the pressure and all the pressure that moms are living with. And I read the blogs, you know, sometimes people point them out to me and they're like, moms are stressing about one, what sunscreen and, and play dates and, and park things and this and that and all the stress. And are they going to, you know, baby Einstein from the womb, you know, and all the pressure. And I think about that. They have all this pressure. Like, I want my kid to be liked. I want him to be smart. I want him to have the right projects. I don't want him to ever be bored. But I mean, you ought to be stressing. I want him to be in heaven. I want them to be in heaven. I want the faith that's in me to be impressed upon them. Marie and Mark Holman, uh, they wrote a book, Faith Begins at Home. And they challenged moms to pass on the faith. And I want to challenge moms to pass on the faith with these simple steps. Because I want you to have that Lois and, and Eunice. And you say, well, I'm the first one in. Well, so was my mom. My mom was the first one in and changed things around and said, as for me and my house, it's going to change. And my husband and I, we're serving the Lord together. She didn't have that godly example. And many of you don't have that godly example. But Becca had the wonderful example of her mom. And I had the example of my mom. And so we had that opportunity. But some of you say, I don't have it. Change it now. Be the first one in the story. 
be the first one in the story. And the way to pass on your faith is let your children see you read God's word and pray. I could tell you right now exactly where Becca's soap journal is and her Bible. It's on the second chair over at our table looking out the window. It's right there. It doesn't move unless we're having dinner and then it goes up onto the counter. I could tell you where we're going to find Becca in the morning. She's going to be at that chair looking out that window, reading the Word of God and praying and spending time with her Lord and Savior. Our kids didn't have to guess where was mom going to be. She was right there. There's something about your children seeing you reading God's word and praying. And I, I, I'm just asking you to, to, moms, to be that person that says, I will be consistent with this. Another thing is, tell your children how you're growing in the Lord and learning new things. Did you know that only 12% of teens have a regular dialogue with their mothers on faith and life issues? Only 12%. I know it's your personal faith, but it should be something that we want to talk about, that we want to say, hey, here's something that's growing in me. Here's what God is revealing to me. Here's what's happening. The Bible talks about us talking about it and over and over and over again. Matter of fact, the word Deuteronomy, you know, we have the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy means repetition of the law, that it's over and over and over and over again that you're talking about it with your children. Another thing is enjoy getting together with other Christians. Church shouldn't be seen as a chore. Church should be seen as a, a time to get together with the family of God or to go to your life group or to be a part of sisterhood or whatever it is, ladies, that you're doing. It's like, I'm enjoying the things and I'm enjoying this. And your kids see that and they start to catch that. And they're like, this is something that we want to be a part of. We were so faithful in church. I mean, obviously, as pastors, I can remember we went to Disney World and we said, all right, special dispensation. You know, Disney, we bought the multi-day ticket. It's super expensive. On Sunday, we're just going to have a little devotion and then we're going to go to Disney and we're getting ready to go to Disney. And, and we asked Connor to pray for breakfast that morning. And this is what he prayed. God, today we pray we have a good time at Disney. And he said, and just forgive us. We've never missed church. <laughs> That's what he prayed. And bless the food. Amen. You know, and, and it hit us. Like he's, he knew that we were part of this, man. We were getting together with the family of God. Another thing, pray every day with your children. Pray every day with your children. Can I tell you this? Our kids never guessed. They never guessed how the night was going to end. They never guessed like, would there be prayer or wouldn't there be prayer? Would there be, you know, brushing our teeth and then maybe prayer? It was always ending the night with prayer and praying for our children, and praying over them. It was, it was, it was sometimes just simple prayers, They're like, Lord, direct their steps. Sometimes it was like, let them shine bright for you as they are in this world. Sometimes we'd be praying like, God, have a, let them know that you have a purpose for their life. And then sometimes it was like, Lord, let them know that your word is true. Be sure their sins will find them out. You know, sometimes you pray that too, you know. So. Pray, pray, pray with them every day, and this would be my ad, it wasn't in the, the advice from them. Tell them every day that you love them. Tell them every day that you love them. We had Bob Goff here and I loved having Bob, but I, I was just shocked when we went to dinner and he said, my mom and dad never, ever, ever, ever told me that they love me, never, ever, ever. 
He said, I bought a satellite phone and I called them from the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. I thought this would be my day that they would tell me that, that, that they love me. And I said, I love you from the top, highest spot I've ever been. And they said, that's nice. I tell you what, my mom and dad, they told me that they love me so much. Commercial would come on TV, have you hugged your kids today? We'd be like, yes, yes, yes. We know you love us. I mean, our boys, Connor, look, they had no doubt that Becca loved them. They heard it over and over, and she had her little names for them, and we love you, sweetie, and just she didn't love them. I mean, tell them every day that you love them. Let them see uh, that, let them see these things. Let them see you read God's Word. Tell your children how you're growing. Enjoy getting together with other Christians. Pray every day and love them. Share that love. I mean, most parents, again, didn't grow up in this type of home where this was modeled, but that's where you can step in now and say, we're going to change this. We're going to change this. Additionally, if, I, I can guarantee you that Lois and Eunice had to uh, step in on Timothy and confront culture. Moms, there's something about the calling of being a mother that's more than giving birth. It's about confronting culture. It's about confronting things that are in your child's life. It's about being, having the courage to say it and say, that's not going to happen in this house. We're going to confront this. I don't care what they do. We're not that home. I can believe that Lois and Eunice ganged up, and I know that Isabel and Becca ganged up on the boys and would tell them, not in this house, not in this house. And our boys barely gave us an ounce of trouble. I mean, I just, since the day they were young, they just had both mom and grandma pouring into them over and over and over again. But I'll never forget one of my brothers, and I do want to give a disclaimer, it wasn't Rick, all right, just one of them. <laughs> he, he was bowing up, he didn't want to do, and mom was confronting the culture, and dad was right there with her, and she said, that's not going to happen in our house. And he said, I don't want to live here. She went to his room, grabbed a suitcase and packed it. And she said, where do you want to live? He said, the guy's house. And I got in the car with her and we brought his luggage over. And she goes, have fun, dropped him off. We went home. I was like, this is real, man. This is real. This is real. A week later, he moved back. He moved back. He said, all right, I'm in. She wasn't messing around. Sometimes you have to confront culture. You don't have to be their friend. Friend implies equality. They are not equal with you, okay? And they need to develop their own friends. And additionally, you need to develop your own friends. Your children can't handle the complexity of the issues that you're dealing with. So they need their friends, you need your friends, and you are not equal. You're their mother. You're their parents. And so we need more Lois and Eunice moms in this church and grandmas. We need more Isabel and Beccas that will go after the young Timothys. And I'm not talking that they'll all go into ministry, but we, we believe that God wants us to raise the next generation. Moms are too important. Moms are too important. Moms, we value you. We love you. And there's a role that you play in raising the next generation. We bless you. You're worth more than diamonds. You are so valued at this church. And we just say thank you for the Lois and Eunice, the Isabel and Becca that team up on these children and raise up the next generation. We would risk anything for the next generation. And we say thank you moms for raising these children right.
So Lord, I just pray right now that you would help us right now that we would just bless our moms and say thank you for what they mean to us and what they've done for us. And I thank you for every Lois and Eunice in this church that is, has said, I'll be the first one in. I'll raise the next generation, but I'm going to stand true for my faith. I'm going to pass it on. I'm going to sweat it uh, that, that they need to be raised for heaven, not raised for prom or not raised for a, a career. They need to be raised for heaven, and they're going to sweat that. And God, I pray right now for anyone that has a child that has gone away. I pray that they'd stand on your word, train up a child in the way of the Lord, and they won't depart from it when they're old. God, we're going to believe that for them right now. And God, we just pray that there would be many, many, many Mothers and grandmothers raising the children in the ways of the Lord so the next generation can be stronger than this one. We bless our moms, our grandmothers. We bless them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.